DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Institute for Priestly Formation, presents Deacon James Keating speaking at the Light Shines in the Darkness Institute for Priestly Formation 2016 Advent Retreat held at Christ the King Church in Omaha, Nebraska. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. There's a lot of uh, kids who are afraid of the dark. I, was, I remember I was afraid of the dark. I probably still am a little bit. I heard a sound this morning before I got up and it kind of scared me. I said, wait, you know, the kids are still sleeping. Marianne's right here. What's that noise? You know, and it's probably the house, like our bones that settle, you know, and make noise when you get older. But it's still scary to hear something unknown sound or move in the darkness. And um, one of the reasons that might be true is because we're control freaks. And we want to know everything all the time and be on top of everything. And if something is in the dark or a sound is in the dark or a movement is in the dark, we're out of control. There's something that we don't know something that we don't understand, something that is a mystery to us. And we make our worlds really tiny because most of us are control freaks. So we make our world real small. So it's always funny to listen to people who move to big cities. Well, Omaha's too small, I gotta go to San Francisco. Okay, good, tell me about your day in San Francisco. And they only live within a block of San Francisco. You could have that block here in Omaha. They made their world like real small. Everyone makes their world small, comfortable, manageable, controllable. They're afraid of the dark. I told several people this before, but I remember I used to be afraid of, of flying. And um, now I fly around a lot, so it's a good thing Jesus healed me of that. But I always used to have to sit by the plane window. When I got a seat, it was like, okay, I need a window seat. And when I was in counseling once, the counselor discovered that the reason I needed a window seat is because I was such a control freak. If the plane was crashing, I needed to see it crash. <laughs> so that I could feel more comfortable. It's like, oh, I know what's going on. You know, I'm dying. I'm crashing. This is good. So the window seat was not because I was looking for the beauty of things. It was because I was waiting for everything to go wrong so I could control it. We are very, very complicated. And if you don't want to know how complicated you are, don't go to counseling. <laughs> if you want to be blissfully ignorant, thinking you're simple, uh, you're not. It's, complications are deep. And so we like to control things because we are afraid of the dark. And this is probably so beautifully and so father-like that Jesus came and said so much that he was the light said so much that he was bringing light into our darkness. Just similar to the way he told us over and over again, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. You only say that if we're afraid. And one of the f most popular things he said all the time was, don't be afraid. And we know we're afraid because we medicate our fears all the time. Medicated through drugs, through alcohol, through escapist entertainment. We're always medicating our fears because what did Pascal say? Most of the problems of the world would be healed if we could learn to sit quietly in our own rooms. 
but we can't. Because once we sit quietly alone in our own rooms, we get afraid. That's when all the stuff comes up. That's why I'm surprised there are almost 300 people here. Because the only promise of this morning is we're going to leave you alone with God. And there's not, you know, that's not very uh, popular. In fact, we should eventually just have no one speak to you. Like as the years develop, Keating or Gabuzda will only say five minutes, and then we're going to leave you alone with God. Because he's the one who really wants to speak. He's the one who really wants to get out the fears. He's the one who really wants to bring the light into the darkness. And that's why God is such a threat to us. We pretend we like God, but we're not quite sure. It's good to say you like God. But when he comes, he usually turns everything around, upside down. He's a very bad guest. He leaves things messier than they were before he visited. And people always like to say, I long for God. Ultimately, yes. Ultimately, yes. But he has to come in and clean up the fears. And that can be something that we resist. That's why silence is so important. Because in silence, we give God room to work. And the ego kind of slides to the side. We let go of that control. We move from the window seat to the aisle. We begin to feel comfortable that we are not God. It's actually good not to be God. This is what Jesus meant when he said, you must become like little children. You must become like little children. Stop trying to be me. Stop trying to be God. Surrender, relax. All you who have heavy burdens, come to me and I will give you rest. rest. Doesn't that sound beautiful? I will give you rest. And not just physical rest. Mostly today it's neurotic rest that we need. Rest from being neurotic. Rest from being restless. And we're not even sure what we're restless about. Rest from being manic, filled with stress, filled with a cacophony of voices that we don't understand. Why are they even in my heart? How'd they get in there? It's wearying being me. Right? And then Jesus comes and says, give me all of that. And I will give you rest. I'll move you out of what frightened you. I'll move you out of the darkness. And I'll move you into light. Everyone wants to go to the Caribbean in Omaha in the winter. Right? Because everybody wants the light. Everybody wants sun. And all the marketers know it. That's why they descend. And go to a place that's sunny and bright and shiny. Because they're speaking to a spiritual desolation in our hearts. It's not just physical sunshine we want. We do want to be simpler. We acknowledge we're complex because of the wounds that we carry, self-inflicted or inflicted by others. 
We're just carried by being a fallen human being. The source of our wounding is multiple. You can't just blame your mother. There are lots of sources of wounding. Just by being born, you're wounded. I know that sounds negative, but it's true. Just by, that's what original sin is. Just by being born, you are ordered more toward the self than toward God. That's the immediate struggle. The immediate struggle is, I wonder if I can finally ever stop thinking of myself. It begins at birth, and hopefully it ends at holiness. When we begin to be reordered, painfully so, reordered, away from the self and toward the interests of others, which of course is resurrection and liberation. We're scared of the dark. We're scared of what's in there. What's scarier, though, is to leave it in there unrelated to the living God. What's scarier is to leave it in there unrelated to the living God, because then we become self-enclosed, hermetically sealed. There's a beautiful English poet, and she wrote once, her name is Sally Reed, and she said, if you are unwilling to be wounded, we remain encased in our humanity. With wounds, we are lit with divinization. If you are unwilling to be wounded, you remain encased in your humanity. With wounds, we are lit with divinization. Now, at the very core of that very poetic uh, sentence by Sally Reed is basically a profound Christian anthropology the whole meaning of what it means to be human. Unwilling to be wounded, right? I'll protect myself. I'll stay in the dark. I won't let anyone near me, especially those who have already been wounded, right? Once bitten, twice shy. You get bitten, the encasement even grows thicker around you. I'm not gonna expose myself again. I'm not gonna share myself again. I'm not going to open myself up again. So then the walls get thicker. If we acknowledge the wound in the presence of Jesus, then the wounds are the doorway to divinization. And this is something that we repeatedly deal with with the seminarians in the summer. Because the masculine ideal is to accomplish, to achieve. We will do this. We will take that hill. We will get there. We will make it happen. And so much of progress in holiness is the opposite of that. First, of course, there is much to do. But first, one is bid very deeply to be, to open, to be vulnerable. Again, always to receive from Jesus. Where? At the, sort, at the sight of your strength? No, always at the sight of your wounds. That's how holiness progresses with haste. Show Jesus your strengths? No. 
Show him your resume? No. Show him your wounds, the places you're scared of, the darkness. Trust. Do not be afraid. And if you are wounded, woundable, open, vulnerable, if there is an opening in you, that's where Jesus wants to go through. And do what? As Sally Reed says, divinize you through the wounds. And of course, each one of us has to name the wounds ourselves in confession before our spiritual director, before our counselor, before our spouse, before our best friend, deep in contemplative prayer before the Blessed Sacrament. Each one of us has to name our own wounds. They are both particular but familiar to all of us. But you have to name them. This is what opens the conversation of intimacy with Jesus. If you're unwilling to be wounded, if you're unwilling to be affected by life, if you're unwilling to be affected by God, if you're unwilling to be affected, moved, influenced, then you will remain encased in your humanity. It sounds like a tomb. It sounds like death. And it is. And here we have on the cross, right, Jesus, the open wound. Jesus, the open wound. And who got through those wounds best? God the Father. Jesus is giving us an example on the cross. Open your wounds. Who will have access to those wounds? Right? God the Father. The origin of all healing, the wellspring, the source. When you look at the cross, you see yourself. When you look at the crib, you see yourself. Everything in between is the greatest gift God ever gave us. I will not leave you orphans. I will be with you always. From the wounding that is original sin upon your birth, to the wounding that is your own death. If you habituate yourself, and it is a habit, a virtue, a power, it's a power. If you habituate yourself to never concealing anything from the love of God, then your journey from crib to cross will be rest. Are you mocking us? Jesus? Are you mocking us? No, he says. I don't lie. From crib cross can be rest. How can that be? How can that be? Because rest is being with him.
That's our deepest longing. Being with Him in all things. When you think of rest, your little baby on your heart, resting. You resting on the heart of your wife or your wife on your heart. When you think of rest, you want to say this when you think of rest as we're understanding it. I wish what? I wish what? I wish this could what? Last forever. That's what the Sabbath is. Rest. What does that mean? I'll be with you always. When I'm born and a baby and then a little boy and then struggling with adolescence and then wondering what I am to be and then celebrating my vocation and then achieving and then decline and then sickness and death. Yes, all of that can be rest. If you let me in to the wounds and I will carry you and I will rest on your heart and you will rest on my heart. And you will say things like this during the day. I wish this could never end. What could never end? Our prayer. Our intimacy. And he says what? It'll never end. Why? Because I came so deep into humanity that there isn't one aspect of your joy or your suffering, nothing. Nothing human. That cannot be the occasion for our love to deepen. Only if you don't open that to me is something shut off from the deepening of our intimacy. Okay, so my advice to you is never pray before you give a talk like this. It's just too damn real. So I apologize for my emotion. But I'm seeing things that perhaps you're not seeing. And unfortunately, because I'm seeing them and you're not seeing them, you're thinking, is this a cult? <laughs> but I'm telling you, what I'm seeing is okay. It's safe. It's good. But I'm seeing it. I, I want you to see it too. I want you to see that there's nothing to be afraid of in the dark. Because there is no darkness if you open up all the wounds. If you open up all the wounds, then all the light pours in. And then the intimacy deepens. And then, as we always say, when you die, you will not be surprised you are in heaven. Because you will always be in heaven. You have always been in heaven. Heaven is continuous. It's not discontinuous. It's not like a surprise. The only people who will ever be surprised they're in heaven is if God was some magician. God is not into magic. He's into relationships, communion, the depth 
of union. And that begins here. The light shines in the darkness. Let the light reach you. Protect nothing. Protect nothing. Cling to nothing. Reveal all. Reveal all. That's the beautiful thing of the nuptial symbol of nakedness. On the honeymoon night, everything is revealed. Everything is given. Nothing is held back. The joy and the ecstasy of the honeymoon night is that everything is seen, revealed. Out of what? Out of love. Here's the gift. Don't be cheap with Jesus. He is the bridegroom. Show him who you are. And the wedding feast will begin. Let the light come. So we have two scripture verses. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its taste, with what can it be seasoned? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled. You are the light of the world. A city set on a mountain cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and then put it under a bushel basket. It is set on the lampstand where it gives light to all. Just so your light must shine before others. Your light shines before others. Notice what Jesus does through his whole ministry. Those who think they have it together, he scorns. Those who are encased in their own humanity, he scorns. Those who are bleeding, limping, wounding, festering all over Nazareth, he heals. He heals. He heals. Just so, your light must shine before others. How does that happen? If you are one of those people in the scripture, who came to Jesus fully what? Available. Fully available. To come to Jesus anything else is to be a liar or to be a show off. That's why he always yelled at the Pharisees. Show off. You think you got it all together? You follow all the laws? Well, I guess you don't need me. Continue to be self-enclosed. Go to hell. Continue to be self-enclosed. But all those messy people, the ones who bleed and wound it all over in public, those are the ones. That's why there's going to be humiliation and purgatory when we look up to heaven. And we're going to see those people who are so annoying. <laughs> and the reason like, they got so high into heaven is because they were so unlike us. They were bleeding and open and wounded all over. And Jesus just came and just was Jesus to them. But we were cautious. Can I trust him? What will he do? What will he give? What will he take? I'm not sure I can be as open as that man who came down through the roof to be healed. I'm not sure I can be that open. What's this Jesus really about? I think I'll keep my distance. I think I'll be a skeptic. I think I'll watch from afar. I think I'll treat this relationship as a science, as something to observe, but not to be 
wounded by, opened by, affected by, influenced by? How do you be a light? How do you become a saint? And we all love the saints because we can see them, because they shine. But you really don't want to know how they got there and all that it cost them to be so available to God. What's that called? The way of the cross. The way of the cross. Open, it hurts. Reveal, pain. Stay in the relationship after you've revealed. Stay after the pain, stay in the pain. More pain. Reveal, but stay. Open, but remain. Steadfastness, fidelity, crucifixion, resurrection. Jesus entered everything so that nothing of ours could ever be said to be unshareable with him. In order to become light, we have to let the light into the wound. And then the second scripture to meditate on is the following. And you, child, will be called prophet of the Most High. And of course, this is Jesus. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the rendered mercy of our God, by which the daybreak from on high will visit us, to shine on those who sit in darkness and death's shadow. That's Jesus. To shine on those who sit in darkness and death's shadow. Don't we all sit in death's shadow? We all sit in death's shadow. And he has come to say, what? Fear not, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. There's nothing to be afraid of. He keeps saying it. Because we sit in death's shadow. And then fantastically, right? To guide our feet into the way of peace, shalom, wholeness, healing, rest, heaven. He's come to us in the shadows, in the darkness. He invites us to reveal so that he might pour the peace of the gospel into our wounds. Let him. What's this called? Salvation. You've been listening to Deacon James Keating, speaking at the Light Shines in the Darkness Institute for Priestly Formation 2016 Advent Retreat. To learn more about the work of the Institute for Priestly Formation, visit their website at priestlyformation.org. To hear and or to download this selection, or to browse hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. We pray that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for the mission of Discerning Hearts. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to support our efforts. But most of all, we pray you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com.